Welcome to Episode 7 of The Club. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. It's a simple question with a complicated answer. What does it take to get better at golf? This week's podcast is not so much instructional as it is the discussion about analytics in golf and one of the game's most fascinating characters, Bryson DeChambeau. To talk about Bryson, I've brought on a fellow writer, Jeremy Schilling, to break down everything about his game and what he has done to transform his body over the last 15 months or so. It's a really interesting conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. Bryson is just such a compelling person in the game because of the way that he's had success. He's a seven-time PGA Tour winner, including a dominating victory at last September's U.S. Open, where he won by six strokes. And he's been winning golf tournaments for a long time, dating back to his time at Southern Methodist University, where he won both the NCAA Championship and U.S. Amateur in 2015. But his rise in the game has been dramatically different from a lot of other top players. He's been willing to experiment in all different ways, from using single-length irons to trying to put side saddle at one point, or more recently, putting on 40 pounds just to try to increase his strength and gain yardage off the tee. And I think it's a safe bet to make that he is far from finished when it comes to reinventing himself and taking on new projects, pushing the boundaries of what we know to be possible in golf. Before we get to that conversation, a reminder that if you would like to send in questions about your game or about Graph Golf, please hit us up on Instagram or send them to our email, which is theclub at graph.golf. You can also suggest podcast topics. Do you want us to talk all about analytics and putting or just go through what we think will happen on the PGA Tour this year? Feel free to offer your thoughts and there could be an episode coming your way on the topic you suggest. This week's question comes from Eric, who has been having issues with his bunker play. He says, I can't get the ball airborne and dig too deep into the sand. Is there a way I can fix this? Thanks for the question, Eric. For anyone who struggles with bunker play, first things first, make sure your stance is open for righties that is left of the target. And make sure your club face is open and pointed at your target. You want the shaft of the club almost pointed backwards towards your belly button because this is going to allow the bounce, that extra flange in the bottom of the club, to hit the sand and pop up once you make contact. A good trick is to put a dollar bill down in the surface of the sand without a golf ball. Next, draw a perpendicular line just before the dollar bill, right where you want to make contact. If you can hit that line and get the dollar bill to flutter in the air, you are using the bounce correctly and are now ready to try it with a golf ball. And remember, you generally want to hit the sand about two to four inches behind the ball, depending on your lie. You never want to make contact with the ball first unless you're in a fairway bunker. Thank you to Eric for the question, and let's jump right into our conversation breaking down Bryson DeChambeau. And I'm here with PGA Magazine writer and teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling, podcast owner, Jeremy Schilling. Jeremy, how's it going today? Sean, thank you for having me on the pod. I am well. I hope you are well as well. Absolutely. And we're going to be talking about Bryson today. And I think when I think of him, one of the first things that comes to mind is kind of why he started to do what he has done over the past year or so in transforming his body. And, you know, when you look at last year's strokes gained off the tee, basically the players who have put themselves in the best position to attack, you're you're looking at the best players in the game, right? You're looking at Bryson, who is, of course, number one in that category. But you're also talking about John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson, kind of a long list of guys, including 
some of the younger players, Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, Sunjay M, all those guys were in the top 20 of that stat last year. And to me, it's been clear for several years now that the best players are the longest players, right? They are the most... They are not the most accurate. They are the most powerful off the tee. And the, the analytics, you know, to support that idea that the, the closer you can get the ball to the hole off the tee, if you have that variable in your favor over the course of a season, you will be successful more than not. And that, that's kind of where I see Bryson's journey kind of starting and, and being able to recognize that and then to be able to execute from that point. Where, where do you kind of think Bryson's approach as kind of the first modern analytics-based golfer kind of comes from? So a couple things. First of all, uh, to that point about power hitters becoming, you know, the best in the game, Rory McIlroy said in Abu Dhabi that one of the stats he would like to improve on uh, this year on the PGA Tour is proximity to the hole from the rough, which I thought was interesting. Um, he hit 60% of his fairways. He says 40% of the time I'm not going to be in the fairway, so I got to improve my proximity right. from there. But that was interesting. To me... I, I look at Bryson in two ways. I look at Bryson as a result of technology, a result in the way golf courses are set up, that so many of these greens are not running 15 on the stint meter. This bomb and gouge thing where the rough is not eight inches high every week, where you can afford to miss it and still be effective. And then I look at Bryson as someone who just is always trying to get an edge and what he's attempting to do has never been done before. And I have said publicly on my podcast many times that I thought that he was going to overthink things. He was going to come out on tour and really overthink and overdo it and overanalyze and watch too much video and look at his swing too much. And, We've seen the emotional outburst, which I'm sure we'll get into, that come from his frustration. But to me, it's part Bryson reacting to the way modern golf is and these courses are set up, in part because he just thinks in a different way than everybody else. And I think to that point, you know, you and I have both heard more than a few people say that he is ruining golf. And I, I think, you know, one of his quotes that stands out is last year when he was playing in the Rocket Mortgage Classic at Detroit Golf Club, which, uh, as you know, it's kind of an old school Donald Ross design. And you, you just pointed to the way that golf courses are set up. And Bryson said there, you know, sorry, Donald Ross, I know you're putting out all these bunkers for players that have to hit in between, but I'm actually just going to fly all of them because I don't care whether the course was desi designed for that back in the 20s. It's the smartest way for, for me to play at this point. And to me, he's he is taking advantage of the technology he has from a club perspective, and he's pairing it with with the analytics, and, and then being able to bulk up and being able to execute on that side. And I think that it's, there's a discussion for another time on whether distance should be reined in or or not to, to be you know to allow some of these guys to, to bludgeon some of these courses. But but right now he he is capitalizing on what he has, and I think it's I think it is a great story for golf, and it's a great story for analytics in, in sports as well. It's a great science experiment because remember, too, there's also the pace of play issue, which goes back to the whole Northern Trust video from, I believe that was the 2019 Northern Trust. Bryson is a villain for in, in, in a lot of people's eyes for many reasons. Um, 
but he's also a fascinating experiment. Now, my view on Bryson and his game, which we'll get to in a second, is very different than a lot of people's. But in terms of if he's good or bad for the game, I think he's great for the game because he is, whether you like him or not, and neither Sean or I are saying you have to like Bryson. What we are saying is that what he has done is fascinating. What he has done has never been attempted before. What he has done is literally going to define some future golfers. I don't know how many. I don't know how, what percentage of kids are going to try to do this, but you certainly got people looking at speed on the range, PGA Tour golfers fooling around with it. And you've also got a, a, a guy who's just coming at it from a different angle. And it's just a fascinating science experiment. It's a fascinating social experiment every week. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the big questions that I wanted to get into is, are we going to see more Bryson's? And I think the answer, I'm kind of conflicted on this and I'm interested to get, to get your thoughts, but to, to me, it's, it's a little bit of a yes and no answer because on, on one hand, this is a guy with a, he has a winning pedigree going all the way back to winning a U.S. amateur going all the way back to dominating in college. B, his short game is, is very underrated. You could look at his putting stats you know, over the last three years. And he's really in that top, you know, maybe 10th to fit top 15th percentile, you know, the last three years in terms of his putting and in terms of, of much of his short game. And and the other component is that, as you mentioned, he clearly has this, you know, insatiable desire to push the limits of what is possible. So that three-headed monster there, I'm not sure if we are going to see too many other guys out there being able to combine all those things. But then on the other side, to your point, I, I think there absolutely will be stronger, smarter players who already know how critical swing speed has come along. I, I actually just talked to a kid named Quade Cummins who plays golf at the University of Oklahoma, and, he, and he's going to the range with a swing instructor and literally lifting up his front foot and planting it, trying to kind of swing almost like a a baseball player in some context to maximize his club head speed. And he's getting up to, you know, 125, 126 miles per hour. So I, I think there absolutely will be more and more guys coming out who want to swing as fast as they can while also suiting their games to what the analytics have to say. And whether they can match Bryson in every category, I'm, I'm skeptical about that, but there are going to be get some guys who are going to try. So a couple things. Regarding his putting, and this is, I, I think, to me, this is the most fascinating aspect of will there be more Brysons and how successful can Bryson be? Everybody forgets this. When he won at the U.S. Open, he was 18th in strokes game putting that week. When he won at Detroit, he was first in strokes game putting that week. For all the distance gains and for all the help that single length irons are going to help you with. You've still got to get the ball in the hole. Yes, he has gotten the arm lock putting style to be very effective for him. But there are weeks where it just does not work. And you're seeing that in these strokes game putting stats. Shotlink doesn't lie in that respect. He did not play well from 125 and in at Augusta. I'm going to get to Augusta momentarily as to will there be more Bryson's because I think something Bryson said uh, recently is really illuminating. But to me... 125 and in is always going to be the key for Bryson, and it wasn't there at this year's match, but it was at the Rocket Mortgage, and it was at uh, Wingfoot. So 
I think this comes down to, at the end of the day, chipping, pitching, and putting for Bryson. And anybody who tries to emulate that is going to have to do the same thing. Now, to me, there are two possible tracks that people take. There are those who try to play like Cam Champ, who have, you know, there's nothing vicious about their swings, lower launch angle, lots of roll. And to me, there, I think, are going to be more Brysons and Brookses and DJs and Cam Champs, guys who try to get the most out of what they naturally have. I don't think we're going to get a lot of Brysons. To the point about the short game, I completely agree. I think what you're going to see from Bryson in the future is, and what we have seen from him, is a lot of top 10s when he does not really have his short game working for him. I think that's just the power of you know, what he's able to accomplish off the tee, isn't it? Really his floor, it seems in a lot of cases, you know, is around finishing, having a top 10, top 20 finishes, even when he is not performing that well. But when he does perform well, I think it is a mandatory factor for him to be able to, to have his short game working for him to be able to win major championships. And as you mentioned at Augusta, that, that was not, not the case to the point about, kind of what challenges lie in his way and what challenges lie in the way of of everybody who is going to try to take on some type of Bryson approach. I think one of the main concerns talking specifically about him is I'm curious whether he can maintain this pace of consuming so many calories (laughs) because you don't really need to have a lot of muscle to swing a golf club with incredible incredible swing speed. I think we know that, right? We, we see Justin Thomas, we see other guys who have really kind of maxed out their, their, their swing speed who do not weigh 230 pounds. They, they weigh far less than that, but it, it does change how you're able to play out of the rough and major championships. And, and it does kind of eliminate a lot of the fear in missing the fairway, which is what we saw at Wingfoot, where I believe he only hit 23 of, of 56 fairways there and, and won the tournament by six strokes. But can he maintain those physical attributes? And, and to your point earlier, the, the emotional side of it, is it going to be wearing on him to be able to try to maintain that pace of trying to be able to you know maximize everything he has within the game? Will he get worn down at a certain point? Or is Bryson just kind of this phenom in terms of being able to push the limits of analytics and, and, and science and, and everything that he's been able to do. So let's talk about that because it's a it's a fantastic transition into what I believe is going to be the ultimate stopping factor for a lot of people. What he is asking people to do is the the only athlete that I can think of that that did similar is Michael Phelps and in, in his Olympic ones and just all the calories he would eat every day the thousands upon thousands of calories to get to where he was. And he became the greatest Olympian of all time. And, but as we know, he had a hard fall on the other side of it. Um, Some of his own doing, but just some of that natural transition. Bryson at Augusta, for those who remember the 2020 masters tested negative for COVID twice, but felt weird all week. And he told the media in advance of playing the European tour Saudi Arabia event, if they figured out what happened, I actually went to multiple doctors, multiple people trying to figure out what it was. I got a bunch of MRIs. 
uh, went to an inner ear doctor, eye test, eye pressure, ear pressure, even did an ultrasound on my heart, ultrasounds on my neck to see the blood flow and how things were moving through the different areas in my body and everything came back really, really well. The one thing I will tell you is that I've done a lot of brain training with NeuroPeak and the frontal lobe of my brain was really, really, was working really, really hard. And that's what kind of gave me some weird symptoms like crazy overworking. He then goes on to say, I'm really working on my gut health right now. I think there could be something there. We've registered some pretty good inflammation in the stomach just from the massive changes I've made this year. When you're trying to change anything, you're always going to have something on the back end happen that may or may not be good for you. As of right now, it wasn't really great for me in my stomach, but I'm working out how to figure out how to optimize it the best I can possibly be so that I can have the best health moving forward and, 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 we're, and we're doing it in, in the right way, uh, close quote. And then he goes on to talk more. So <laughs> needless to say, there's a bunch of side symptoms that can come in. So you are asking somebody to basically go on the temptation island. We've all been there, Sean, right? I'm going to have my dinner and then for dessert, I'm going to have a cookie. And then you see the strawberry shortcake that the person next to you got. And you got, wait, I want that too. And then you see the great appetizer your buddy got and you order another one. And suddenly you've had like five courses. We've all been there, right? <laughs> so can you stay as disciplined and as diligent as you need to get to be to, to be physically like Bryson? Can you avoid the overworking of the frontal lobe of your brain and have good gut health and can you stay emotionally well when it doesn't go right and we saw at uh, the open championship a couple of years ago and the meltdown that he had that was captured by golf channel cameras and that's the thing sean that i don't know about bryson and what makes him so fascinating he is trying to do something that has never been taken on as a result <laughs> We don't know what the side effects could be. He doesn't know what side effects could be. And we have to commend him for the effort and time we've, he's put in. But as Ricky Fowler said, how long can your back hold up? How long can your body hold up? And how long can you really swing that hard, that effectively? He, he, he told Todd Lewis of Golf Channel at Kapalua, the 48-inch driver is still possibly in play. Um, it didn't fit Kapalua, but he's still been working on it. It's a lot of torque and a lot of pressure on parts of the body, and who knows how it's going to hold up. And to me, that is everything you just said is so captivating and scary at the same time. To think that he so currently he's at 329 yards averaging off the tee. Nobody, of course, has reached 330 yards off of the tee for, for their average for an entire PGA Tour season to this point. And I, he continues to try to push that limit even after, you know, right after he'd won at, at Wingfoot saying, hey, we're going to go back into the lab and we're going to we're going to keep on pushing this thing. And to me, this may be hyperbolic in, in a sense, but there are some comparisons between him and Tiger with the fact that, as, as we all know, Tiger notoriously was never happy even after playing 
what many of us, I'm guessing Jeremy, you would agree with this, some of the greatest golf of all time, but still not being satisfied with that. And I think that Bryson has a little bit of that in him and his ability to manage that may really kind of, that may be the key to whether he is going to have any kind of longevity, any kind of, uh, you know, success long-term. We know how good his short game is. We know that he's going to be studying this from every angle, but he may be his own worst villain at, at, a, at a certain point. He, he may do himself in, and that's the point that I that that kind of scares me about everything he, that he's undertaking right now. Do you think Tiger and his recent back issues came from purely watching Bryson, or do you think it was from <laughs> Tiger's actual swing? Um because they do play practice rounds together. So, you know, and some people, they, you know, you look at a guy like Joaquin Neiman and like that can make you uh, cringe. <laughs> Certain people, if you look at his downswing, I do wonder how long you can sustain this and how long of a career this is. We talk about windows in sports a lot. The Lakers are having one right now with both LeBron and AD in their prime. But what happens as LeBron continues to get older? What happens if he has to miss, God forbid, extended time for an injury and Anthony Davis becomes the sole guy, what happens when LeBron decides, I'm going to hang it up? Is the Lakers window closed or do they replenish? One of the amazing things about the Yankees sustained run of success from 96 to 01 and even through 04 is that they never rebuilt. They were always had pieces to move back up within, even as player turnover happened is Bryson's window. Golf is a long window. You know, Bryson came on the scene. What first time at what? Like 18, 19, 20, somewhere around there. 18. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, VJ won majors in his forties, Tiger won majors in his forties, Phil's won events in his fifties in the PGA tour champions. That's a long stretch of time. He's only 27. Yeah. So now let's say he's got 20 more years. It's a gigantic window. But does this limit his window suddenly to 10 years, to 15 years? And that that's what worries me. I have I hope he's got a good personal work life balance. Not for me to speak about. That's, that's just food, food for thought for the listeners out there. But what I hope for him golf wise is that none of what he's doing right now jeopardizes his long term health. Because that's what I think Tiger realized with his back problems is that if he didn't get the spinal fusion, he was going to have a hard time being the dad that he wanted to be. And the spinal fusion allowed that for him. And to me, this is a insane exploration of where you can push the limits. But I would much rather be, and I, it's crazy to say this, Here's a fascinating discussion. Two Dallas guys. Would you rather be Jordan Spieth or Bryson right now? It has to be Bryson. Part of me thinks, yeah, part of me thinks it would actually, in terms of longevity, be Spieth to get back to where he once was because I just don't know how big Bryson's window is. Well, if you're Jordan, you do have the three major championships in your pocket. But for me, that's that's a whole other discussion about I think his frontal lobe may be overworking a little bit too. I think <laughs> I think they may have that in common. <laughs> totally, but that I think is an is an interesting way to look at it, which is what what Jordan's trying to do is just to get back to what he was doing. Bryson's trying to enter an unknown frontier. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And then the other thing about Bryson is the single length irons, and I don't think we can overlook this. 
he and his swing coach, Chris Como, they have video of every single part of the swing evolution. And that changes single length irons. That changes your posture. And, you know, I've taken lessons from a PGA pro. You're one of them. What do we always talk about? Grip, alignment, posture. Fun, you know, the fundamentals. And is Bryson going to lose some of those fundamentals within this quest for the unknown? That, I think, is the most fascinating part of the next two, three years is A, how long can he stay focused? B, can he stay healthy? And C, will his fundamentals get off in a way that he can't recover from? Or will he be able to go back and figure it out? Where I kind of want to end this is, you know, one of the things that really excites me is that the the data we've had in golf for a really long time has been kind of static data. And what I mean by that is, you know, you register a score on a handicap service and you can see your scores and you have an idea of how you've played, but there is this whole other world of, you know, dynamic analytics that we are really close to that I think Bryson has kind of been able to tap into. And that is, you know, knowing that on a 95 degree day, you hit your pitching wedge 130 yards instead of 115 when it's 65 degrees. But you know that out of the rough when it's 55 degrees, it only goes 105 yards. This is a lot of what he is understanding and being able to tap into. And I think a lot of golfers, you know, for the most part, I've just been guessing. And I think his demonstration of putting this theory into action and then actually going out and executing it, there could be kind of some hidden mysteries and <laughs> some, some treasures that he's uncovering for the rest of us. And it could be kind of a seminal moment for golfers everywhere where, it, you know, kind of using that dynamic data is just going to be a part of how everybody plays golf from now on. And that, that, that to me is a really kind of fascinating place where, where he's kind of maybe revealed a little bit of this. I just went on to Amazon and looked up the cost of a 39 inch HD TV just to see what the cost is. What do you think it costs? 500 bucks. This one is $200. <laughs> They're getting cheaper every day. <laughs> exactly. And think about the launch monitor era, which we're in, which is where Bryson has this data from. Remember, he was purposely putting water on his wedges to see what impact water would have on it. And that, I think, is what people can learn from Bryson. And what can really, as you said, help all golfers, which is as launch monitor prices go down, they can actually figure out how far their shots go with a consistent database. Because for a lot of golfers, they hit a, you know, they hit their seven iron 162 and they think, oh, I can hit a 162. And they don't realize that it's like five yards downhill and 10 miles per hour downwind. Uh, and that's not your seven iron yard <laughs> and you should be clubbing effectively. So that, I think, is the parts of Bryson that, that others can take is this advanced analytics, is the launch monitor era. That, I think, is the next evolution of this. And, 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 and what the average person, you know, the, the weekend golfer who you and I are can take from this, which is having more data at, at our disposal to make smart decisions. But 
flip side is, does that overclog the brain? Do we overwork the frontal lobe again? Because at the end of the day, and I forget who said this, but somebody said this, who's, who's a very field golfer. At the end of the day, I want to walk into a shot, not with data in my head, but with confidence in my head. And it wasn't a slight at Bryson. It was just how that person goes about thinking about the situation. And that's just my thought about the launch monitor era. It's great for data, but at the end of the day, I need to step into a shot, look at it, and be able to feel it. I think that's the beauty of the game, though, that there there will be a lot of people who are interested in just kind of looking at the data and, and kind of relying on that technology. But there will be a lot of people who, you know, maybe they want to use part of it or maybe they don't want to use it at all, but it's going to be available to everybody. And I think that can only be good news, I think. I, I, under, I understand your point that there there will be some people who they're not going to be interested because it's just going to complicate the game further. But I think there are going to be a lot of people, I, I would even be willing to say maybe even the majority of people who are going to be so interested in, in terms of what kind of what, what kind of answers and solutions are there out, out for the game? You know, do they, you know, if they're in the rough, are are, are they not able to perform the, the, the way that they should out of there? Are, are they performing, you know, the, the comparison aspect to other golfers who, you know, if you're a 10 handicap, knowing that other 10, 10 handicaps, they drive the ball better than you do, that having that information, that there's a whole other world out there. And I think, I think that to me is, to me is very exciting. Whether we think Bryson will be successful or not, you and I both know knowledge is power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jeremy, we'll have to get you back on the show again sometime soon. Talk about somebody else or, or, or another topic because this was uh, this is a really great great discussion. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this. So, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on the show. It's an honor and a pleasure, and I thank you for having me. Thank you once again to Jeremy for coming onto the show. That was really a, a fun episode. Bryson is such a compelling figure, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes forward from this point. Just a reminder, if you would rate and review the podcast on your podcast host of choice, that really helps us climb in the rankings and gets our show out to out to more golf lovers. So hit that subscribe button and tell us what you think about the podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm, and we'll see you again soon.